Hello, everyone, and welcome to a different intro than we normally do. Wait, no, <laughs> I, I can't handle this. No, we structure. We're not structure. We need to have consistency. And I don't know why, but I feel like structure is an important part of this. Like for these people, this is like episode eight, nine, ten. Who knows? But like we're not at episode 100 or episode 200 where we can suddenly change the game up. Or can we? Oh, God. <laughs> I don't like change. Change is bad. It's a gamer. We're here. It's a gamer. That's it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Make Me a Gamer. I'm your host, T-Man, and I'm here with... Harvey Z, the place to be. And I'm doing this just so he doesn't have a panic attack on me. I'm just assuming that the first minute or two did not happen. You really need to start listening to the episode. I'm trying to catch up. I'm just, again, work has taken over. It's really busy, which is actually a problem because as you keep telling me, I need to play games. I need to play more games. I need to play games. So I downloaded XCOM a while back and I'm, I actually installed XCOM 2 War of the Chosen. And then I was like, oh, I've installed it. It's there. I need to focus on my work. I need to do my work. Work is getting busy. Huh. Well, how do I know the game runs? know the game runs but again like maybe the game doesn't run or i did get a new mac and everything maybe it runs smoother because that was the problem with xcom 2 it was really choppy and blocky so i'll just click on it and then i clicked on it and the music came up and this little pop-up screen and i was like oh it looks looks nice maybe i should push play and enter the game itself because i started reading the the menu thing the little there's like a side screen options things like that optimizing it and just Flipping through that, setting the volume, and then it was like, oh, what kind of music would you like to pick? Would you like the game music? Would you like XCOM 1 music? Or would you like the original 90s XCOM music? This must be an addition from like the Tacticals thing. This is the Tacticals one, I yeah. think, then. So then I clicked on it, and the 90s music started to come in, which is it's super quiet, and then there's like a dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Like these soft little, as opposed to like the booming music that it has. And I was just like, oh, it's so good. Maybe I should push play and like look just at what try the, a mission, like try see what the game looks like with that dun, 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 yeah. in the background. And so I push play and then it's loading. It's loading. It takes a little bit of time to load everything. And then I'm in that screen and oh, the opening. And then there's all these new buttons, all these new features. And I'm like, oh, what is this legacy mode? Like co-op multiplayer stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is enough. And so I put it away at that time. Uh. I was good. But then that was the problem was like that was at the beginning of the week. I did this like last weekend. And then I was it, like, you got the itch. Yeah. You and saw I, I saw, a little bit of I it. saw a little bit. I cracked open the box and I was like, maybe, maybe I should go back to that just to listen to that music again. And so I did just listen to and the I music. Was like, That's what oh, we tell each other. Just, 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 I went, there's a character load screen thing. And I was like, Oh, I'm just looking through it. Oh, it doesn't have all my old characters in it or anything. Cause I made all of them for XCOM too. Like you guys are all in there. Oh, I don't have that. Okay. Oh, well it is. Yeah, a Mac the, and- that's, that, that's one of the downsides of war. Of the chosen is that the XCOM, the base XCOM two characters you create don't carry over for whatever reason. Oh, they, they can. Oh, they can. They can. They can. Oh. This would be later in the week as we, re- so again, this is, I just realized that the first time that I was like, well, since I'm here, I, I remember there's a demo mission. Maybe I'll just click that or see if anything's changed because it's now this tactical and XCOM 2 War of the Chosen. And you said, oh, you don't even know what the Chosen are. And I'm like, no, I don't. But I mean, maybe I should click on it. I think I know what they are now. But it's like there's at least three new dudes staring at me on this load screen stuff. 
So then I clicked on it just to start new game. And then it was like, what are your options and stuff? And it's like Iron Man classic mode. Let's go right into it. Oh, so you haven't played XCOM in a while and you're going straight into hard mode Iron Man? I mean, that's how. Yes. Yes. Uh, Okay. I don't. With XCOM, I don't play on easy. I don't want to. You can play on normal. Or you can play on classic without Iron Man. Uh, XCOM doesn't exist without Iron Man. Okay. All right. So I clicked on it. And then it was the tutorial mission, except it was different. There was a different intro sequence, actually. And I was like, oh, I've seen this cutscene sort of. May-. But that's the thing. It's been long enough now that the game is like, it's the, so spoilers a little bit. Can I give you the, I mean, it's the intro. It's that, the that intro really spoiler. Spoilers. Like you watch literally the first minute of the game is this thing. It's they're rescuing somebody. So I think what it was, was in the original XCOM 2, they rescue the commander, yep. who's your character from XCOM 1. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. there's a different cutscene for the tactical one, I think. No, this is this War is still of the Chosen. chosen. This they is War introduce of the chosen. Like, a character who's like a ninja spy guy. The Reaper. The Reaper. Yeah. He like jumps in and he does this recon, and then it cuts away. And I was like, I don't remember that at all. This seems new. And now I'm suddenly excited. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And this is a new character. And then the next part is actually then, oh, they go in and then you do the intro mission. The, yeah, I think the, the intro intro mission where it's literally you must click on the spaces that they tell you to go, which the intro mission introduces how brutal of XCOM it is. You get two characters to start out with and like one of your characters will die. Yeah. yeah. Like I couldn't prevent that character death at all. That's why a lot of people like once you've played the tutorial mission for the first time, uh-huh. most people don't to... do the tutorial mission anymore because One the first mission you... you get, you can actually have everyone survive mm-hmm. and get like the rank up and whatever, as opposed to this one where you only have one guy survive yeah. no matter what. And I think there was an achievement like to have like beat the game with your original people or something all intact. So like, that one, I don't know if it was an XCOM 1. or I think an, that was in the first. Because this one, it's like you only then have one guy who has to then survive the whole thing. But like this one guy. So I'm playing through and I was like, oh, XCOM, you magnificent bitch. <laughs> like you killed my character. Then you introduce another character. And then the mission is you rescue the commander. So it's it just furthers the plot, which is in order for you to play XCOM, you're the commander. You're the leader of the troops and everything. But the very first mission is them saving and pulling you out of the... Uh, aliens tank or whatever and then you get taken to your ship and you're exploring and then it kind of leads into this oh we're going to introduce a new type of mission so click on the mission screen and you must take this mission you must send in some troops and so i picked and you don't really get to choose i tried to like customize or change no it's the first first four people that they have because one was an upgraded guy from your first mission they sent them all in so then i play that mission and i guess it's the first independent mission but it's still kind of guiding me Hey, you need to go or here. It's showing me the alerts, like the tutorial alerts. I turned them all on. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, this is what, how your enemy's range is. Or you can use this to hide behind full cover. And yeah, so you went full back. Like, I went full back of like everything, huh? everything. So I'm like going through this. And so it's semi-guided, but I can pick my positions and stuff. I see some enemies and I'm like, this is a countdown mission. So it's and the countdown is only six because now in tactics, it gives you the option of would you like to double your countdown timer missions? Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and say you do. You do. Yeah, like it when it did you not? No. Okay, it like, do, definitely double the countdown timers because there there's some there's oh, some it bullshit. Got, oh, it got real real quick all the bullshit. So I was like, okay, well, I know this mission you go up, you 
activate the hack the computer or the hack the bomb. It was a bomb on a train mission. You go there, but I had six turns to get to it. So I'm like, okay, I expect that. Okay, I see the first group of enemies. Now I could blow my cover and all my guys are invisible right now. I could blow the cover, attack them, get into a firefight, but that'll delay me from getting to the bomb. I should rush my guys while they're invisible as close as they can to the the bomb. And that way I have like two, three turns to run up and deactivate it. And yeah, we'll have a firefight, but you know, we'll make this do. It's the first mission of the game. It's not going to be that hard, right? Yeah. I mean, what am I expecting? Like a group of, there's going to be a group of guys guarding the bomb. And then I see this recon unit and there's probably a third group out there. That was my take on the situation. So I'm looking at, and groups are like three enemies usually. So I'm looking at like nine enemies. I've got four guys, full cover. We'll rush. We'll get an ambush set up. We'll kill like two to three of them in the first round. And then it's six on four. And I just have to get to a countdown. Totally what I thought was going to happen. We sneak up. We rush up. We're like one train car back from the actual bomb location. I see the recon unit off to the side. And then I see like, yeah, I've scouted it out. The bomb is protected by, as I thought, three units. And then like, as my turn is coming to an end, like the enemy unit movement happens. And then I suddenly see off to the side, there's like a sectoid. These were all human aliens or human like bad guys, the generic ones. And then there's like a sectoid group that just suddenly is crawling around in the back with some human guys. And I was like, huh, okay, fair enough. But sectoids introduce mind control, a little bit more challenging. So I was like, so the third group is a sectoid and human combination. These are my nine guys. And then another group of humans comes up and I'm like, there's 12 bad guys now. There's 12, it's now 12 on four. All 12 are on the screen and like my guys are hidden. As soon as I blow my cover, that's 12 guys are going to have reaction. Oh, yeah. 12 guys. To my four hidden guys. So whoever takes the first shot is going to piss off in every single one of these guys. Because when you blow your cover, like all the surrounding people who are within visibility will have a chance to react. Or if you try to move, they can shoot and such. I was expecting that to happen with like six enemies, maybe not 12 dudes who are now fanned out, one to my right, one in front, one over to the left, and one kind of further back that I can't really quite see, but I can notice that they're there. It was an, oh shit, like, <laughs> do I, I I mean, and then the bomb is going down, and it's like telling me, like, if it gets to zero, the mission loses, everybody's going to die, the bomb blows up. And we had, like, I think three turns left at that point. So it was like, I, I can't kill 12 guys with four guys in three rounds, actually. But let's try the ambush plan. So two of my guys, three of my guys are ready. I had like the um, the ninja slashy guy. Ninja slashy guy, ranger. Ranger, not a reaper, but a ranger. So I was like, that's the person from the previous mission who'd survived and everything. So I'm like, okay, she's going to have to be the one who can run up and get instant kills on people. And then I noticed like she doesn't get instant kills on everybody, actually. She can, she can even if she does maximum damage. Like, I might have one hit point left. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. The wounded. She'll pick off the wounded, but she can pick off one wounded. Okay. So I'm going to save her in the back for this ambush thing. Everybody else is going to set up three people for the ambush. We attack the left side. And like, none of them died. We all missed some shots. 70% and higher. Or we shoot the guys and yeah, they're they're still standing. And they're pissed now. And they're angry. And then... 12 guys so then my ninja person it's like well go ahead she attacked actually the sectoid surprisingly didn't realize sectoids were weak against swords and ninja stuff instant death on the sectoid so i was like great except now she's surrounded by like five guys because it's right in the middle middle of everyone the other three people now saw and ran up and so now my turn ends with her surrounded 
The other group had thrown grenades and everything and just blown up this side. Oh, and of course, I remember now, vehicles can blow up. Uh-huh. So if you throw grenades, or actually, if you have reactions that miss and they just happen to hit a car, the cars will start smoking. Um, if you hit a giant truck that is like two or three spaces or takes up a bunch of the... That'll still blow up. It, it just needs more damage. But it can as soon as it starts smoking, shit's going down. Oh, yeah. yeah. So And all... then the best part is you have to end your turn. Uh-huh. And I mean, it's just... I know what's going to happen, but we ended our turn... <laughs> all this stuff of like my left side goes down the ranger takes no hits survives all like four guys shoot at her manages to survive left side we lose two of our guys right away i have one guy left with like one hit point and he's bleeding and hurt and i'm like oh and it's like two turns left to get to the bomb okay great <laughs> but my guys are just at this point there's like 10 of them still alive so it's 10 v2 with two turns left it was the ranger, long story short, made it all the way to the bomb on turn zero, killed like four guys along the way. The other guy died. He tried to get to the bomb on like turn one and got shot down by a reaction shot. And then it was simply turn zero. Boom. Everything blew up. And it was, she, she got to it, but didn't. she got to it, but needed one more, more turn, turn to activate to, it to the activate next it turn. But it was turn zero. And it was actually at that point, like there were two aliens left. Both of them hurt as well or two bad guys left. And, like, one of them shoots her as it goes to turn zero. And, like, the whole thing was, like, boom. And then, so, failed the first mission. Total party <laughs> wipe. And then it was just, well. And it's Iron Man, so I can't, like, go back and restart. But I was just like, ah, okay, I'll just end this right now. Because it was also the mission where you needed the power core. So, like, this was a story mission to, like, to start up the spaceship or to start up your, like, base. You needed to put in a power core unit. Which apparently this bomb thing had that. This uh, must be something new from the tactical because this doesn't sound familiar. Because I was to like, me. I I'm failed this mission and it this. was like, well, game over, buddy. You, wow. Like, we can't start the ship up. We can't do the adventures and fly around because the thing you needed to do to get it, you didn't. Oh. So huh. it was just, it was XCOM was just like, fuck you. <laughs> and I was just like, well, that was an hour. That was awesome. It was fun. It was everything that XCOM should be, but. All right, I'll put it away. But the problem was, again, that was early in the week. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe if I play it again, I just, you'll do better. It was, it was fun. But, oh, even that mission, it's an hour's worth of time. I don't have that. I got to do work. Got to do work. But you my, can create your characters. That was my compromise. Was like, maybe I'll create some characters, though. At least just for, I'll just poke around. I get to listen to my music. And the character creator is fun. There's a lot more expanded options. Some of the stuff doesn't quite load that well, but like um, like some of the things don't render and it just becomes this weird bulky like purple, yellow or white like rendering. Yeah. So I just don't pick those. But I started to make some characters, started to put in some stuff from like – and it's also interesting because now time has passed. So there's like new people that – like I didn't make you guys at first because I was like, oh, I've made you guys somewhere. I know I have save files of that stuff. But like I was like, oh, who do I want to put? Oh, I can build a Rick and Morty kind of person. So I'll put those guys in there. I'll do that. And it's like stuff that I wouldn't have because I hadn't like new pop culture stuff comes along. That's right. where character creators are fun for that reason. Like back then, I remembered I'd had like a Marvel team. I had one where I was like, oh, maybe how can I load my old characters in? So I started looking around and it was like, oh, do you want the skins or character made things for the entire squad from the Predator movie? And I was like. Of course I do. <laughs> Come on in, guys. All right, we'll load you in. But so that was me practicing like how to get skins and stuff. Steam makes it pretty easy. Yeah, I had they're... an email file from Professor Q from like three years ago when we had these characters and he sent them to me. 
And I was like, can I do this for a Mac? And so yesterday I was tinkering around again. Like, so basically every like 30 minutes when I'm free at home, I just start like, I'll build one character or two characters. And then I so you're getting your squad ready for when you have. I'm the getting time the squad ready, and like just and so then I found like how do I do this on a Mac and stuff, and it was a little bit tricky. It is not like intuitive, but eventually I was able to find the files where you can put character pools, and if you have the .bin or bin file, you can dump in your old ones from like XCOM 2. And so I did, and then I just kind of looked around, and so then I loaded the game to see did I do this right. And I did, so all of us are back in the game now. Oh, that's nice. And then so I could update some of it with the newer costumes and stuff like that. And so when I play the game, like Harvey Z and the squad is all All there. ready to go? We have like Marvel Universe. We have Mulder and Scully. We have like Rick and Morty. We have the entire squad of Predator for some reason. <laughs> like we're all going to be ready to go kick some alien ass. Mm, cool. So, but uh, that, that my downfall was simply loading it and like, as soon as the music hit, like it transported me. Well, I mean, that's good. I'm. Gl- it's good, but my deadlines, my bosses and stuff, that's not so good. Like okay, I'm going to well, have to oh. work a lot later. Well, you know what? You're, I'm happy for the fact that you, you're starting. I'm, I'm interested to hear your War of the Chosen stories once you actually have the time to once play I it. Actually, I still don't know what the Chosen technically are at this point. I have a <laughs> guess from like, well, these guys aren't here before the load screen and these guys seem new. But yeah, you lose the first mission. And it was like, well, well, game over. So maybe I will change the countdown timer to 12. It just seems like a... So here's the thing is... I always play with the double timers because Uh the original timers are hard. And then the War of the Chosen expansion adds a couple new mission types that make it even harder. And I've had some missions where even with the double timer, I was running on like one or two turns left. Mm -hmm. So doubling the timers does not make it easy. Okay. Like, Like it's, I don't consider it to be like easier I consider the original timers to be way too short. Like in this, looking back on it, it was basically, it gave me six turns to rush up to a device where it's going to take up one of my person's full turn to like activate it. And okay, if it was nine versus like four, fair enough. But in this type of a case, it was literally, so I have 12 enemies that I have to either take down or run through in order to activate this timer in six turns. And it does take at least like, even if you full speed dash, like three turns to get to this device. So it's, if if I played it again, I would just have to run straight forward. Or as soon as I see the first units that pop up just in the beginning, start shooting. kill them right away. No sneaky covert thing. So it's just go in guns blazing. Yeah, see that's, that's the part that I didn't like is that it, XCOM 2 introduces this whole covert option thing, Mm -hmm. but then also adds timers to some of the missions, which basically eliminates your ability to be covert because you have to move as fast as Mm -hmm. possible. And so adding the timer, like doubling the timer, allows you to have a little bit of the covert stuff and like set yourself up. Mm -hmm. You still have to make it from point A to point B in a decent amount of time and you can't do like six turns of setup like you normally do. Yeah. Like I remember from the original XCOM or like you would just spend a whole bunch of time setting this up and be, you just like wait for them to get into the perfect position and not do anything. And I could kill like a half hour just waiting for the enemy (laughs) to move to the right place. Like XCOM one, when I played the finale of the original XCOM, not the new ones, but like the finale of the, like the nineties pixelated game one, I started it at lunchtime. Like I finished 
my lunch and then I started XCOM, the final mission, the final mission, I ended up finishing it about an hour or two after dinner. So it was literally a six to seven hour endeavor for me to beat the final mission of the game, which was one of the most satisfying achievements for me. One, beating XCOM, but two, it was an epic, there were multi-stage battles and everything. But again, six to seven hours is a lot for like a final stage. And yes, I was playing super slow and super cautious, but that... It was the last battle. It was the last battle. Everything was on the line. It was great. And I remember as a kid loving that moment, though. Like Some games take... The whole thing takes six to seven hours. Yes. That's why I was like, this is the greatest thing I've ever played. But at the same time, if it was like 6 p.m., 7 p.m., and then I lost after a six-hour battle, like, holy crap. That yeah, would suck. Yeah, that especially would, on Iron Man. Yeah, that would be depression. Like yeah. that would just be like I never play this game again. Like you rage quit and you just don't go back because uh that's why I like Iron Man though. It's quick and it's brutal. Like uh Well, I'm glad you got to play something. Yeah. I've been pretty much playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a lot more to add. We we had a podcast. I'm not sure if it'll come out before this or after this. But we did have a more in-depth discussion about Odyssey and and my planet, and I've been playing. I've been still still playing it. Still good game. How many uh, hours would you say you're into it? Uh, I'd say forty. How far into the game is that? Um, I'm not sure. I'm currently level thirty-two, and the level max is level fifty. Okay. So I assume still I'm at least to. halfway. Okay. Uh, probably more. People have said the game takes anywhere from 70 to 80 hours for a full playthrough. Mm-hmm. So I'd say close to halfway, depending on how quickly I speed through the main story at this point. Mm-hmm. I also downloaded and played a little bit of a game this morning uh, slash last night. Um, it's a game that I actually kind of wanted to recommend to you mm-hmm. because it's really interesting because it's a purely logical game. Oh, boy. Um, it's called Return of the Obra Dinn. Uh-huh. And the plot of the, the, the game is you're this ship called the Obra Dinn left with 60 crew members or passing and passengers, uh, in the 18, 1803, I believe. And then it just disappeared. No one ever heard from them again. So boat ship, not spaceship. Boat ship. Okay. Yeah. Like actual boat. Uh, and then in 1807, suddenly the Obra Dinn floats back into the harbor and you're like, I, I think you're almost like an insurance investigator type person. <laughs> okay, you're, wasn't you're, expecting that plot you, twist. Yeah, you're you're sent to the ship and you're given a book and like this magic pocket watch, and you have to figure out what happened to all sixty people on the on the mem- on the ship. Uh huh. And so you are you, any of them on the ship still? No, they're all dead. Okay. Uh, well, they're either dead or missing. Okay. Let me put it that way, because you. You have a manifest and you have like a couple pictures. Uh-huh. And what you do is you like find a body on the ship and the pocket watch will show you the memory of the moment of death of that okay. person. And so you kind of see like what's happening and then you use the information from what you've seen to like enter. Well, this was obviously this person because he called out his name right before he died or, you know, this person got shot. So I'm going to write in like his death was by gun, but I don't know who the person is that's holding the gun yet. Uh-huh. So I don't know how, who murdered him or why. 
and that's all the game is like there's it's like literally this is almost like csi shit it's, yeah it's not a horror game no right? it's not a horror game but you're just going like around you have like 60 potential bodies that you see and they each tell you part of this story yeah yeah it's it seems so at first i was like logic based sounds awful the lore sounds wonderful yeah. because it's all just it's, the it's lore. like just this it the book is i think divided into 10 chapters and there's one of the chapters is a guy, the guy that sent you to do this says, I know what happened in this chapter and I'll tell you after you figure out everything else. So you've got one chapter that's like sort of in the middle. I think it's chapter eight. Uh-huh. That you're never going to know what happened. That it's like a blank period of time. But you're slowly piecing together all the rest. And it's interesting because the first couple bodies you find are the end of the story. So uh-huh. you find you have you the last couple or the first couple bodies are technically the last couple bodies yeah and so you know like the final five or six survivors but, but it's then what you're caused all this working your oh, way back this is so good yeah it's real interesting and it's also done in this kind of like minimalist art style uh-huh. so it it feels artistic uh-huh. in, in a way that games that just like chase high fidelity graphics don't so i was going to ask is this like a text based is this like a cutscene? is this a pixelated game it's it's you're it's done in first person so you move around in first oh, person okay but you see like everything's in like this green and white and like black almost kind of like old computer ascii uh-huh. style drawings it's really quite interesting and is um, it a like a physical full game or is it an app game or is it, a- it it's a full game it's out on the pc for now i don't know if there's any intention to bring it to anyone else it's by the same guy that did papers please i don't know if you've heard of that the name sounds familiar but i i don't think it, so at it, all. papers please i never played it but it got a lot of critical acclaim because it was a game where you were a person a border security person on this like fictional country Uh and you basically every people would come by and you had to choose whether to admit them or reject them based on their passports and information Uh and a lot of people liked it because it was very simplistic but also a game that wasn't the same as every other game out there yeah and apparently it's just one guy that does this so like this is his second game and he's been working on this one for like four years or something Uh uh-huh and it's real impressive and it's really neat. And I like it because it's a different kind of game than usual. Like a lot of puzzle games aren't like you, you'll get something like Tetris. Yeah. Or, I was imagining when you say like minimalistic and this, but like it, there's a story to this and there's a whole lot rather than like match the shapes up or figure out the logic of the pattern or something like that. Like detective work in games doesn't usually involve like make the player actually think a lot yeah it's like a fixed storyline and you just have to go to each location and it shows you a cutscene, and, and then you're then like you this is what happened yeah. but you could just keep going in the story and not actually solve it yourself but the game tells you what happens yeah this the game doesn't i mean the game tells you what happens through like you see in the memories but figuring out who and what is going on is all on you okay so Ooh. i have only played i only played like an hour of it because I heard about it and it seemed interesting and I've been playing a lot of Assassin's Creed. And so it's different, completely different style and a nice kind of break from the action oriented stuff Mm -hmm. and lets me think a little bit. And so uh, I'll probably get back to you once I've played more of it, but so far it looks really good. Like I'm really intrigued by what's going on. Okay. Interesting. It does sound quite cool. It's it's a different. I was not, I wouldn't have guessed that. (laughs) Um, okay, so you've played a game, I've played a game, uh, let's talk about some news. 
Okay. Uh, before there's one big thing that's probably going to take up most of this podcast. Okay. Uh, but before I get to that, I wanted to update you on a couple different things that we've talked about in previous podcasts, just oh. as little anecdotes. Closing the story, finishing it up. Well, not closing the story, but things that More. we've talked okay. about before. Uh, so continuity. <laughs> a couple days ago, Insomniac released an update for spider-man that added new game plus and a harder difficulty and on top of that they added more stickers and things you could do in the photo mode and one of the things that they added in the stickers were more puddles just as a little like jab of a yeah fuck you (laughs) you want some goddamn puddles you could stick them on yourself. Yeah, the the de- a couple of the developers tweeted up, out about it and like showed off the photo mode and was like now you can add more puddles if you want to and it's just like these art like comic book looking puddles, puddles that yeah. you can just throw stick onto the yeah I I found I like that, that cute. The, the company seems to be in tune at least with what's going on out there. It's not tone deaf and it's reacting right. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, it's not like attacking the people that thought about it, but it is like a funny little inside yeah. joke that they decided to include, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, and that so I, that's one of the things I wanted to bring up. The other thing was our. Uh, one of the people we've talked about a couple times, one on episode zero, and then Ooh. I think on episode one, um, was Philip Muchin, the uh, the plagiarizer who uh. got fired from IGN, and mm-hmm. uh, like he was the the origin of the "Come at me, bro" on yes. this podcast. And come at us, don't come at us, really, please. Yeah, yeah. And so he released, he put up a new YouTube video for the first time in a couple months this week. And it's just like a short review of like a Bluetooth product for the Switch. Okay. Um, and like he he didn't really apologize for anything. He just said, I've been like away and I've thought about things and I've decided that what I really I still want to bring content to you uh-huh. on YouTube and okay, here's this Bluetooth product. Like he didn't really Is he gonna He's inevitably going to get people like looking through and saying like, "Oh, did anyone else review this? And did he steal from them?" Or... Probably. I, and he, I probably I'm... if he's smart, did not do that. I hope. Yeah, I I watched the video just to be curious to see, and like it's so dry. Like he doesn't have like. It's so what weird. you're saying is he kind of was better when he was copying other people. I I don't know. I don't know because I didn't watch any of his old videos or anything uh-huh. like that. It was just like kind of this perfunctory, like, here are the things that this thing does. Like, here are the, yeah. this is the statistics of it. This is what it does. But it's not a game either. So it's not, but, a I mean, game how either, exciting can like, you make like, it's, it, yeah, but it's just like such a, I don't, I don't or know. Or is it maybe like he's doing this because this is also something where you can't really call him out on it. I mean, he's reporting on like headphones or jacks or this supplementary device. So that way you don't really like if he yeah. started off with a game review, people will immediately immediately jump. Like, this might be part of his not apology tour, but at least a normalization tour. Maybe. I don't know. I just I find it hard to trust anything he does. Like a plagiar plagiarism is just a nasty thing. Mm-hmm. As as a personal creative person, I don't like people who steal other people's work. But uh, it happens all the time on the internet. I mean, like the watermark issues and stuff where like people just take paintings and put memes or put new words on it, basically. And it's like, ah, this is new art. Yeah, lots of people like lots of people do it. And the weirdest thing about it is like they don't do it for any purpose. Mm -hmm. Like 
it's such an ephemeral like they they take someone's art that they drew and instead of crediting them or retweeting them or whatever they post it themselves and then are just like just so they can get like 20,000 likes or whatever it's ugh, like it it frustrates me so much like you see people who like don't even they have no creative bone in their body themselves and they just take other people's creative tweets and make their own just so other- so like i've seen variations of this uh especially on like so following like wrestlers in like like wwe but also indie wrestlers and stuff like that they get fan art all the time and like they retweet the fan art or they'll take pictures of it that they like gotten or whatever the works are and then post them up and like what i started seeing and this is how this issue came about like in my at least radar screen was like maybe a couple months back or so maybe even a year ago i started to notice like there was a group of like creative content makers or like artists content creators content creators sure those guys like who were pissed off at this and they didn't like it and like it was kind of like wait why it's just like this wrestler is retweeting a really cool picture of themselves but it was because it was not giving credit to the author or the person who created it for that person and so then they started pointing out well we like these people because these wrestlers will put like a little hashtag at the bottom or like an at and give the person's link or something. So they'll shout out whoever created it versus just simply like a person. Usually it was like older wrestlers or people who didn't really know like all of this sort of they, they had no idea of this scene. It was just like, oh, someone drew a nice picture of me. Let me put it up there. But they didn't credit the author other than maybe if the author had signed it or something, it would be in the work. But they didn't actually go out and find like the hashtag or retweet from that person's page so the likes that they would get would go to the wrestler rather than the person who made it kind of thing and so at first i was like that seems petty but then what i've started to see then in the especially in the younger indie professional people who wrestlers who are using social media and stuff they've started to embrace that and see like from the pushback that maybe they didn't even get the pushback but they started to when they now retweet their stuff you'll see like the little who created it with it and like the people then kind of have fan favorites just like in like any other business like oh we like these guys they get more fans for that or people like them it seems like because they support the artists if you will yeah and it's a big deal because you know some people art is a hobby and like them Mm -hmm. doing fan art for somebody or whatever if it it gets reposted or whatever they don't really care Mm -hmm. because they're just they have like a different job like it's 40 hours a week or whatever they want to do and then their free time is hey i'm going to throw this on the internet other people are trying to make a living through this and like they they do commissions or they do their it's how they make their money through either like patreon or donations or any other stuff and so when you take from an artist that is trying to make money from it and don't give them credit um don't let the like don't say how to get in touch with them Mm -hmm. or if you like this art you know maybe you can get some when you do that like it takes away from their livelihood and considering how large the internet is any exposure is good exposure but at the same time they want to get paid for this exposure like like, you can't you can't live off of exposure yeah you can't live off of do this for me and i'll promote you but taking the art and then not promoting them at all when they're trying to make money from it is just like it's a real weird internet problem (laughs) that 
doesn't have a lot of solutions outside of people being good people. And we know people aren't good people. Well, I think it's something that my long-term kind of views on this is it'll eventually just become internet etiquette. It's like courtesy. So, so many people don't follow etiquette or courtesy. That's true. That's certainly true. But it was something of where like a year ago I saw this and then people were complaining to the artists, not the artists, the wrestlers in this case of like for the example I saw, like, hey, you need to retweet or they would keep putting it. And like the wrestlers don't really look at the comments, some of them, but the ones who did or look through started to notice and change their behavior for it and then got positive reactions, at least from this kind of group. So it's kind of one where as much as I hate like, oh, being like, is it petty or is it not? Especially because these were like fan made things. It's not professional commissions per se, but it's like, okay, like if you want to get supported, you should do this etiquette thing, be a good person and more people will come to you for those good things that you're doing and support you more and expose you then to a greater audience because you follow the etiquette. So it's kind of this, the problem is the internet is huge and there's other ways to certainly find your own niche or community where they're like, ah, fuck it. We don't care. I I just like to point out though, that this is not plagiarism. Yeah. I agree with you there. I I, want to be very clear that I hate plagiarism and this is like a tangential relation to it, but the wrestlers weren't they weren't saying, saying I made I this, drew this. I drew this. Um, they just weren't crediting authors. Yeah, they weren't crediting the people that actually did it. While this guy that we, we've talked about, yeah, did take other people's works and, and just, literally just said it was his. Yeah, and that stuff is what really bothers me as an artist because I would hate it if somebody took all the audio from these podcasts and just started saying, "Oh, that's me." Or took something I'd written on my website and posted it on IGN or Kotaku or without one of those saying, gaming that, "Oh, sites. this is T Man's blog." Yeah, so and this so. is this is no, this is instead like this F is my man. opinion, yeah. yeah, or whatever. I stuff like that. Just as a creative person, like it's always been one of the steps that's been hardest for me to take to put my work out there because I don't want people stealing it. Is and that it, a I almost want to say, is that a huge worry or concern? Yeah. Like, but does that prevent you from putting art out there? No, it doesn't prevent me, but it is something I think about all the time. Like if I don't do something properly, if I write a novel and suddenly other people decide to use my characters and uh-huh. I what am behind. What recourse do you have or yeah, something? Yeah. Like if I get behind the eight ball and they're already people that take this stuff and are plagiarizers aren't always idiots like the guy that that got caught like they know what they're doing and like if you don't get you know trademarks or copyrights or whatever you need could be a problem uh anyway that's Mm -hmm. that was just a a random Mm follow-up to something we've discussed before uh there was one big news occurrence that happened this week that basically had the entire gaming community talking all week yeah, I think uh, I saw like this on the peripheries of my like Twitter account and stuff. I'm like, oh, people seem to be talking about. So if it is what I think it is, let's okay. get into it. Yeah. So on Monday of this week, we're recording this. What is today? The 20th? Yeah, the 20th. Okay. We're recording this on the 20th. So it's the previous Monday. I think it's, that would make it what? 15th, I think. Yeah, that sounds like math. Yeah, sounds like math. Six days ago, five days ago. Sure. Uh, Vulture released an article that uh, one of their writers had interviewed Dan Hauser, mm-hmm. uh, who is a head writer and co-founder of Rockstar Games. Okay. 
Okay. Big um, company, GTA. Yeah. Rockstar's done GTA. They did Bully. Red Dead Redemption 2 comes out very soon. And it's everyone's like real excited over it. And so this was mm-hmm. part of the marketing press. You know, they don't do interviews very often. Rockstar never comes to like E3. Uh, they're very secretive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> secretive is the wrong word, but also the right word because they kind of are insular. They don't do a lot of marketing. They don't do a lot of the they hype things. They let the speak for themselves or the hype of the... I mean, yeah, mostly. Like they'll, they will say like a game is coming or like they're working on it, but then they're like a year or two will pass before you hear anything about it. Like okay. they aren't one of the comp like they don't have a presence at trade shows or things mm-hmm. like that they they're just like Ooh. and they're successful enough to get away with that yeah 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 um so the article was like almost a character piece like there was a lot to it uh-huh. the part that got focused on and started all the controversy is very specific but it was a much longer article talking about like his process and how people make games and what Rockstar does and all that stuff. But what happened was in the article, when referencing Redemption 2, Red Dead Redemption 2, Hauser said we were working 100 hour weeks. Like that was a quote that was given. Uh huh. And. That started off a chain reaction because just that quote is all he said. Yeah, no that, other context. Th- there was other context, but that specific thing phrase, uh-huh. phrase is what people started reacting to. Um, a lot of people were like, "You can't do that!" Like hundred hour week work weeks is terrible for crunch time. You know, people are awful. Like you, the Rockstar must be an awful company. Like it was a okay. lot of people were. There was a lot of blowback from it. Game developers started sharing their stories like, oh, the, I worked at such and such place 10 years ago and I remember working 100 hours. Uh, Adam Boyes uh, tweeted about something about how like when he was younger, he in working in QA, he would push himself and like sleep at the office. Is and it something where when these people are making these comments, the game developer people, mm-hmm. are they just reporting the facts or are they kind of saying, and this is a bad thing or a good thing or it's just the well, way he, it is? Some people were like, a lot of people were saying it was a bad thing, uh-huh. but they also said, you know, they did it when they were younger mm-hmm. and like it was to prove themselves so they could get a higher promotion because if you're working a hundred hours, you know, you're going to get them and yeah. surely someone will notice. So people were saying like sometimes it was self-inflicted, but it was also bad. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then again, nobody in the company tried to stop me from doing it. You know, so there's all sorts of stories coming out about crunch time and developers and how they felt about it. The next day, there was a clarification uh, through, I think, also Vulture, but it might have been The Verge or Kotaku. I don't know. Like everyone was reporting on this, so I don't know exactly uh, which one got the clarification from Dan Hauser, but he clarified and said that when he said hundred hour, we were working hundred hour weeks, he was talking about the head writing team of like the senior officials. Okay. So like the people at the top, he's trying to imply not. Yeah. Like yeah. The, he wasn't saying he does. He wasn't trying to say like not, everyone in the company was working hundred hour weeks. He was saying, yeah. you know, like we as the writers were doing hundred hour weeks to make sure everything was perfect. Um, and then, of course, that set off a new uh, debate because some people were like, oh, well, he obviously these clarification. OK, things are all good. Let's get excited for the game again. 
Uh, other people were like, obviously, this is just a PR move. You know, uh, he's, this this is clarification doesn't actually mean anything. It doesn't. People could still be working hundred hour weeks. They could be. They could be. Oh, it, this seems like internet outrage a little bit. So, but I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I, I'm I sure mean, there's more. Then so again, there are people going back and forth about it. Things that were brought up include and in, uh, in 2010 there were. Like wives of employees of Rockstar San Diego wrote a big blog post about how their husbands or significant others were losing benefits, like their their health insurance was getting cut back. They still had to work like eighty or ninety hours, and then and that they were going to threaten legal action if they didn't start taking care of their employees better. Uh, so clearly there's a history of this at Rockstar <laughs> that of taking advantage of their workers. Um, one person tweeted that they uh, worked at, I think they said they worked at Rockstar and they were there during GTA 4. Could have been, I'm not sure. Not 100% positive on this. But they said that they took a day off because they had the flu. Uh-huh. They went and got medicine for the flu and had an allergic reaction to it. So they posted about that on Twitter, and then they were put on notice by the company because they were fooling around on Twitter uh, instead of being in at work. Okay. So there's conflicting stories, like negative, a lot of negative press, people arguing, you know, mm-hmm. this, is, this is obviously what he meant, and things are fine, like they've clearly fixed it. Uh, then on Thursday... Rockstar, quote unquote, allowed any and all employees working for Rockstar to talk about the working conditions on like in on Twitter or in public with no quote unquote, no consequences. Oh, well, that seems like a big move. So, of course, with your quote unquote, I suddenly put into doubt with it. But it sounds like, oh, I mean, this could go either way. How did it go? So. Obviously, there was a whole outpouring of current developers being like, "Oh, it's fine. I don't work uh, more nothing than nothing to see here." Yeah, I, oh, I don't, I don't work more than fifty hours. Like, I, I've never worked close to a hundred hours. There was one or two that were like, "Yeah, I know people that have worked eighty, ninety, hundred hours." Okay. Um, but the majority that were speaking out were like, "Oh, yeah, I've worked here like ten years, and I've never had to work that long." Which, of course, people that are senior. And have been working there for a long time and have good positive things to say are immediately going to go to Twitter and say it. Well, even if you get carte blanche from your company and you get a statement that says, go ahead, tell us how tell the world how you really feel about your company. You're not going to go out and trash it if you have complaints. Uh huh. Like you're not it's not how it works. Like even if they say there are going to be no consequences, there are going to be consequences. Mm -hmm. And again, the internet at large was like, oh, see all these positive things that people are saying. Like, obviously, this is good. Let's sweep it under the rug. Come on, guys. The game is coming out next week. It's going to be great. Let's get excited for the game. Let's not talk about this yeah, stupid Yeah, let's focus on the rights. game. The game. The game. Um, not other, puddles. And, yeah. And it's, then finally, yesterday, Friday, suddenly there's this Kotaku article about how this at Rockstar Lincoln, which is in the UK and is primarily where a lot of the QA testing is done, uh-huh. um, suddenly they're let know that mandatory overtime isn't a require isn't mandatory anymore. That oh. suddenly this they wanted they um 
wanted to make sure that this thing that they like Rockstar worded it very, you know, precisely in sort of sort of way that like this thing that you thought was mandatory over time is not actually mandatory. I just want you to make sure make sure you guys know. Is it in a oh because we previously may have said it's mandatory but it's not really <laughs> mandatory or in a like oh now it's no longer mandatory. It, uh, it could go both ways. Okay. Um and like and then so and this was kind of a good news thing because a lot of people yeah. like see they're like, making changes. They're making or... changes and it it just shows that like even though all these developers who are working in other in certain like certain studios, especially ones cuz Rockstar has a UK studio, they have I think they have a studio in India, they've got studios in the US. They've got a, they they're all they're a global company and yeah. not every country has the same work hours laws. rules all that stuff yeah and so obviously people who are working for divisions that are in countries that have better work laws are going to have positive things to say but then there's like this Rockstar Lincoln, which was apparently under crunch since October 2017 mm -hmm. in various ways. So, and crunch time, you know, is when people you have to down, work longer. You kind of put in the extra hours. You kind of do it yeah. for the love of it. That gets into a whole separate of like, why do you do it? It's, is it because you're forced to do it? Is it because, oh, this is the deadline and we must meet the deadline or else we, the company and i.e. the employees are in deep shit? Or is it you just simply love your product so much that you just want to see it succeed. Like, yeah, there, there's a lot of nuance to this, obviously. There's a certain thing to be said, though. Like, Rockstar Lincoln is a QA development, and I highly doubt the people who are working 80, 90, 100 hours at fixing bugs in the game are doing it for the passion of creation. Yeah. Like, there, there's a difference between the head writer... Like Dan Hauser working a hundred hours on his passion project because he wants Reddit Red Dead Redemption Two, which has his story name on it, like, to yeah. have a story. Meanwhile, QA tester number three hundred and forty-seven, who found out that when the horse poops, it crashes the game. Like you have to wonder, like if you spend twenty hours analyzing horse poop, are you doing it because you love your job, or are you doing it because? You want to eventually be Dan Hauser, and if you don't uh, do this, you get fired. That is a culture of, like, what do you do in those cases? And also, like, one would argue, well, that, that horse poop crash thing is a big deal. We need those quality assurance testers. We need those guys to keep doing that job. I've heard, like, companies in the past do things like, oh, we'll put out, like, um, where every bug you find, you get, like, some incentive or some, like, extra money or something for it. So there could be people who are like, oh, I'm going to spend extra hours to try to get more of the bugs or to try to find as many bugs as I can, maybe because they're incentivized to. But I'm sure that's not every Kurt Schilling type company. Yeah. Part of me was just really frustrated all week. Like, I had... I, you're familiar with XKCD, right? Yeah. Yeah, I haven't read them in a long time, but I love them back in the day. There's an, there's an XKCD comic that I reference a lot mm -hmm. where, where it's the guys like, I, I don't remember exactly the full comic, but it's, there's something wrong on the internet. Like his uh -huh. wife's asking him to come to bed and he's, yeah, and he know, stays but, up and he's and like, but there's, I can't leave. There's someone wrong on the internet. This entire week was just a bunch of people wrong on the internet. And I really wanted to like 
wade in and like, like just yell at them. Yeah, as well. you and guys get are into wrong. Arguments. I have an opinion. I must share my opinion and convince you of why you're wrong. Yeah. Thankfully, you know, I had I've done my whole no social media thing. That's true. Uh, I kept it off my phone, so I was able to use that to kind of like distance myself from it and not mm-hmm. get into too many arguments because I could have. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem was there was a lot of game players who were making really dumb arguments for why this is okay. The 80 or... to 100 hour work week kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, also, before we move on too much, shout out to Randall Monroe, just to give some creative <laughs> credit. We see you. Anyway, creator of XKCD. Yeah, yeah. So, like, one one argument I saw, it's not really an argument, it's more of a, a statement, but I saw one person, and not one person, I want to say multiple people have said this, but I'm thinking of one in particular, who were, who would say, say things like, everyone needs to buy this game now to support all these de- developers and show that we uh, love, like, we need to make sure that these developers who have worked 100 hours get made a product that people could this enjoy. This sounds like a PR guy. Yeah. It's, like, it, oh yeah, I'm a gamer, guys. I believe that we should support them. Let's buy the product more. Yeah. We like, shouldn't boycott it. Don't boycott it, guys. Do an anti-reverse boycott. Okay, hold on. Boycott? Boycott? Boycott. Boycott. I boycott. You gotta. No, you, you boycott's boycott. gotta be an actual word. No, boycott. you boycott things. You don't boycott anything unless you're buying a cot. But like, boycott seems so much more sensible because you're not <laughs> buying and like, boy. Like, why? Boys don't have English is weird. I know it is. I feel like my way is better. Okay. What? What? Okay. Boycott. I've heard the word boycott. I assume (laughs) boycott could also work, though. And it's just like a a weird way of saying the O. No. No, it's not. It's boycott. Fine. We boycott. Boycott. You're you're boycotting boycott or are you boycotting boycott? I'm boycotting boycott. (laughs) Oh, God. I even lost track of what I was saying. Anyway. So, yeah, so some people were just arguing, like, to show our support for these poor developers who have had to work this long, we need to buy the game. But they don't usually, they're yeah, salaried. They don't, get, they don't get anything from the profits. Like, the people who benefit from it are the higher-ups that make people work this long, or, mm-hmm. like, stockholders or shareholders or whatever. Uh, no one in the QA department is getting a, a mind share of the profits of the game once it's actually sold like that was one thing i wanted to argue about this, this is basically me going to be ranting yeah. for a okay. while of, of, of okay. stupid things i saw on the internet this week um there was another one where they said oh geez i had so many and i'm trying to remember it <laughs> oh there was one that said if doctors and nurses can work for 100 hours in a week uh saving people's lives and surely some simple coders could work a hundred hours a week on a game. That's an interesting. Okay. Okay. We're, we're, that's interesting. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Cause that's a whole controversy in and of itself in the medical community of like, not quite a hundred hours. Although yeah, there are physicians I'm sure out there who work a hundred hours. Like I know the controversy a little bit. Like I have some friends who are in the medical profession uh-huh. who the issue is, should people be allowed to work 80 hour weeks? So that that's a specific one because I believe there's like a cutoff for 
new, so like interns specifically, like new doctors, their first year of training and such should not work like 80 hour weeks. But like I've heard at least from people that it, it happens and there's mixed research actually on it. It's like something that people do science and stuff on to look at. I mean, at some point, you start losing your ability to function correctly and you're doing a worse job. Oh, totally. I'm totally like, I believe that, like staying up and doing things like that. What I've heard actually, so again, this is now hearsay, like reporting from like, oh yeah, from my friends who've done this sort of stuff though. When they're on call, yeah, that you do kind of get a little bit into an autopilot or like losing the sleep is a bad thing but like the way that most places get around this is it's 80 hours on average oh. a week so and they look at month-long tallies not weekly tallies so if you get a couple days off i think like they get like so this is medicine doctors that i know of surgeons i know less about that but i know surgeons actually broad general from the few that i know tend to skew more actually towards 80 hours, totally, we should do that. It's a bad thing to cap them at 80. Jeez. We should go longer and further and push it to the limit. The, the medicine they're doing, folks, they're though, doing surgeons. Yeah, they, they want to cut. They're, they're, they're going to be out uh, there. Everything the I know about surgery, I know from Scrubs. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it's a great show. And I feel like that's like an awesome, awesome show. But yeah, like medicine is weird. Where like, so the people who are saying like, oh, it's 80 hours on average, you will violate it at least once if you have like if you have to work a seven day week or if you're like on call on the weekends or so. But then they're like, but they give you two days off usually oh, in a month, two, whole two days. But if you get those two days, it'll because on average then so one week you worked over, but one week where if you got two whole days off, you're, you're going to be under. So yeah. the average for the whole week will be less than eighty for the month, mm. and so that's how they say like this happens. But then people, because this was such a huge topic and like interns and yeah, those arguments of like not game developers, but like we're working with people's lives and stuff. Oh, what should we be doing? And that sort of stuff. They decided, well, they're the medical community. They'll look into it and do experiments and research on it. Hmm. And then the evidence was apparently quite like hilarious, <laughs> which was less mistakes happened. Really? It's safer. Well, now this is me generalizing. You could probably go to the research articles themselves and be like, "Oh, this is." Or if you're a doctor, don't don't come at me. I, okay, fine. Like, <laughs> other, I admit, like, you're I'm, not an expert on this. I'm stuff, not an expert, right? and like, this is kind of my layperson's take of like reporting a friend of a friend kind of thing. But like, from what I heard, basically, was more mistakes happen at handoffs. Like medical mistakes and stuff happen when you have to when so. In the medical when field, a doctor like gives you it have off to, to another, you have doctor. to sign off your shift or so. So you have to tell another doctor who's now new and fresh and coming on. Oh, these are the people that you have to take care of. And this happens more with like shift work. So like medicine does that where you work like if you do an eight hour or ten hour or whatever. I'm, I'm shift. just thinking, Doctor Cox. Yeah, like at the Dr. end Cox of the day, handing off to JD. Well, yeah, or it would be more like I guess JD handing off to the next like to. Um, Elliot? Elliot. Like, okay. So in those examples, like JD would work eight hours and then Elliot would come in to replace him at eight hours. You have to do a sign out. Like you have to tell Elliot what all the patients are, what their problems are. And then Elliot then covers it for the next eight hours. They compared that to say like Turk. So because the surgeons love this, but like it would be Turk, like just working for like 12 hours instead and not having to do a handoff, but simply for the next four hours, he continues to manage the cases. And so they compared in a 24-hour period, like if we did it the old ways, which was like, I don't know what, like 12, 16-hour shifts basically versus breaking it up into those eight-hour shifts, 
more mistakes happened because a new doctor who was refreshed was unfamiliar with the case versus a person who's been working on somebody for like eight hours and then the ninth hour, if something goes wrong, they're still, because they've been, they have eight hours of experience with this person, they can handle it a lot better. Less mistakes were made versus the fresh person who came on and didn't know what was happening but had to react quickly. Now, the person who's fresher and stuff has better reaction times, has better ways, but they just simply didn't know the person. Huh. And then the problem also became they started noticing they don't have good ways of signing out. So, like, what if you don't tell them, oh, in in hour two, we discovered this one thing okay, okay. and it was I'm, lost I'm, or ho- so. Hold on. Hold on a second. I, I don't think coders are handing off code to new people. Like, I don't think it. Like, like oh, th- when the horse poops, <laughs> it's going to crash the whole thing. Make sure you fix that, guys. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that's how it works. Uh, so, but like, should we hold like medical professionals to higher standards? Yes. Well, they're saving people's lives and treating people. This is horse poop, like horse poop versus a heart attack, which is why horse poop versus a heart attack. You would want them like the, the people who have to deal with people's lives to be like fresh and everything, just like the, the people who are dealing with horse poop should be fresh and everything. Yes. But they're, well, okay, so they're saying that, well, it's not as safe then, and so people who are... I'm just going to let you know, there are like, plenty, There, you can find a scientific study that everything causes cancer. That's true. Like, just because there's one study that says less sleep is good, like... Doesn't that, mean that it's applicable for everybody, and then every culture probably, or every hospital, or every doctor has their own, like, work style. What's good for person A is not good for B. Yeah. Um. That reminds me of another comment that... It was something like, I'm a creative person, and if I get really passionate about a project, I'll put 150 hours a week into it and barely get any sleep. And It's called mania. Yeah, and and (laughs) people were talking to him like, dude, that's OCD. Like, this is bad. You don't do that. Um, And it's also bad if you take that guy's like, okay, this guy can go that long. Everybody like, must he, do it. Yeah, like not he he's like saying this as like you just don't understand these creative people, you know. Not every like I don't know what why people who play games think that it's just like this everyone at a studio is just like creating and like they're like artists or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like ninety percent of the people are coders, like they're programmers. They're doing their programming type thing like it's technical like there are yes there are digital artists yes there are writers yes there are you know the the creative team that that does the story sketches and all that stuff but those are like not the people programming the game like Mm. those people are like this is the dialogue here you put this into the the game so it displays on the text or like this is we hand this off to the voice actors who do the not everyone in gaming gets to do like exercise their creative muscles some people are just you have to go and just keep looking at the horse poop and keep making sure the game works right exactly you could be as creative as you want but at the end of the day it's still horse shit yeah <laughs> um it adds on to another comment that the one i was trying to remember that i finally came to mind again where a guy said they may have worked 100 hours weeks, but they can be happy that they were able to contribute to a masterpiece such as Red Dead Redemption 2. Ah, uh, 
the the Italian Renaissance artist thing where like, oh, the master painter creates this thing, but he has like little minions or the apprentices who actually go in and fill little bits and pieces of the painting. And they can feel the credit that like hundreds of years from now, who do we remember? It's Michelangelo. It's Leonardo. It's not like not Michelangelo's assistant. Yeah. Yeah. We don't we don't remember them. In fact, like I saw somebody commenting on that. I I can't remember if it was like a a YouTube video or a podcast I was listening to. So I I apologize. But they were like, you know, I can't name a single person that works at Rockstar. Like I didn't know Dan Hauser's name until I looked at the Vulture article myself. Like Mm -hmm. I if you would ask me who's the co-founder of Rockstar, I'd have been like, I don't know. Um, and they employ like thousands of people across mm-hmm. all their studios. No one, like everyone, you, when you hear Red Dead Redemption 2, you think Rockstar. Yeah. You think the name of the company. You don't think Joe Smith in QA mm-hmm. did a great job, you know, making those plants sway in the breeze and making sure that when you tripped over this fence, you didn't fall through the earth and end up in a saloon. Mm-hmm. Like... <sighs> It's a thankless job in a way. It is a thankless job. And making them work 100 hours or 80 hours or even friggin' 60 hours, like, it's just a video game. Like, I love video games. Mm-hmm. They're my favorite hobby. But, God, I, I, I cannot imagine killing myself over... Would you be pissed, though, if, like, you had heard about a video game and it was coming out in, like, May or so? And then it got pushed back to June. Then it got pushed back to July. And then it got pushed back to August or keeps getting pushed back. And then it's like, but they're, they're treating their people really well. Like this happens all the time. You realize that, right? Like I can't remember the last game that had an official announcement date that didn't get delayed at least once. Mm -hmm. Like games get delayed all the time. Just this last week, uh, Sony's, one of Sony's big games that's coming out next year, Days Gone, got pushed back two months because they're still doing testing and polishing it up. Like, games get pushed back all the time. I'm I'm fine with waiting for games. Like, I'm not going anywhere. The mm-hmm. games are going to be there when they come out. That's whatever. Okay. I've got I've got a shit ton of games in my backlog that I haven't played. If a game that I'm really looking forward to gets delayed a couple months just because some QA developers get to have a night off with their family. Like I'm okay with that because I can play the Witcher three. Uh, I can replay Chrono Trigger. I, can... I don't know if that's a universal opinion though. It's probably not. Yeah. Like I, so I know I'm weird because I have this urge to relax all the time. Like I, I have, I have an ex-girlfriend who she was very, kind of motivated to always do things and she type a um no i wouldn't say type and maybe type a or just super organized but like super super organized super structured and like always had to be on the go Uh and so like when i would hang out with her there was always a planned stuff to do like we're Uh doing this day on day one this on day two this on day three and then when she would hang out with me it's like let's just chill and watch a movie or i don't really have any plans you want to go get like so i've always been the type of person that i need my relaxation time i cannot be the person that's like all right i worked eight hours today and now that i'm off of work i'm gonna go do this club thing for four hours and then i guess maybe i can fit it fit in this hour of 
something else, hanging out with my friends at a bar mm -hmm. before I go to sleep and wake up and go to work the next day and then do eight hours of that. And then I'm going to go play Frisbee and then I'm going to, you know, mm -hmm. you can't go. live your life on that tight of a schedule. No, like I have my, my eight hour job, 40 hours a week. When I come home, I either edit a podcast or do some writing or then I play some video games, watch some TV. Like I have my downtime and I always make sure I have my downtime because if I am busy all the time, my brain starts to fall apart. Yeah. It's, it's not a good feeling for me. And I know why while... I think that happens to a lot of people and a lot of people simply try to ignore it. Yeah. And then they get stressed out or they find like maladaptive coping mechanisms, i.e. things like, okay, well, let's go to the bar and let's drink our problems away <laughs> for a little bit. And then we'll come home and we'll continue to like, everything is fine. Everything is okay. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is just kind of our society pressures us that being active is better than not being active. Like mm -hmm. doing things is always like sitting at home and watching an hour of television is a waste of time. Like yeah. there's a, there's a lot of people who view that or like just sitting down and watching a movie. Like you go out to the movie theater because that's an out thing. But getting a Blu-ray and watching it or, you know, pulling something <laughs> up on Netflix, it's not like... It's viewed a, as lesser. Yeah, it's viewed as less. It's not... I'm not saying that people view it as bad, but it's, it's not an optimal use of your time. You should always be productive. Mm -hmm. And, like, if you're always productive, like, eventually you're going to burn yourself out. Like, you, you... I agree, yeah. Like, it is... And it is very much a, I feel like, a USA thing, like... When I was kind of out of the country for a while in like New Zealand, it's a very different like there it was almost mandatory of like, oh, you're a great worker. Why are you working so hard, though? And it's like, well, you, this is the job I'm supposed to do. I'm here to do it kind of thing. But it was like, yeah, but make sure you get And their philosophy was eight hours of work, eight hours of play, eight hours of sleep. And that eight hours of play, they actually were quite serious about of like. No, like, don't stay late. Don't do this stuff. It'll be here tomorrow. If it doesn't get done, it doesn't get done. Like, I tried to mail a letter in New Zealand. They were like, oh, the mail will come when it comes. It doesn't come every day. It doesn't, like, it'll take a couple days to, like, send this just a few blocks. And I'm like, well, I need this letter to get to this person, to my bank and stuff, to set up a bank account and everything. And they're like, well, give it a week. And I'm like, I can just go to the bank tomorrow with the letter. They're like, well... We need to verify this was to get an apartment. They have to, they, the bank mails you a letter and then you have to return the letter in person. And I was, they were like, but we'll mail it tomorrow. And it'll probably take a week to get to you. And I'm like, I'm homeless right now. I need this apartment now. And they're like, well, just give it some time. And it was, I went to a different bank then because I was like, I need a bank that can do that quicker. But like, that was the attitude was, yeah, like everybody should have time off to play. Like, Oh, when you go to go to a restaurant or so, it should close early. The people need to go home. They have families. They have stuff to do. They're not here to treat you and to fill your every need. And so at some point, you need to leave. Yeah. Like, just go. Um, that was a thing that came up in a lot of discussions was people saying things like, yeah, you know, working 80 hours a week is just a thing you do in certain yeah. jobs. It becomes and a cultural or like if that's the culture it is or like people are like, hey, yeah. Like, I did it because I love it. It does affect the guy who may not love it and then feels inadequate or feels worse about it of like, well, does he have to stay the 80 hours as well to make himself like look as good as that guy who's saying everything is great. Everything is happy. We're yeah. all fine here. And it's like, are we? We don't know. Ah. Um, okay. Well, we've ran over on time a little bit. We've uh, 
got into this discussion. Uh, so I, I think, I guess we should call it here. Maybe. I mean, this might be something to revisit in the future. Well, I, it might be something. We'll see. Well, well, it, well, it'll depend. We I might feel like, is this more. still a controversy that's kind of ongoing? It's still kind of. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I'm probably going to complain a lot about Red Dead. Deb, yeah. I'm probably going to complain a lot about Red Dead Redemption 2 in the coming weeks. When it comes out? Yeah, once it comes out, because it's just going to be all over the news. Everyone's just going to be heaping praises on it. And I'm really worried. The big thing I'm worried about is that it's going to come out and everyone's just going to forget about this because they're going to be so oh. impressed with the horse uh-huh. poop. And so we'll we'll see. We might revisit it a little more, see if anything more comes of it. Because, I mean, like I said, just yesterday they announced that this... QA mandatory overtime isn't going to be happening anymore in the UK in the UK. So, well, I'll keep tabs on it. If it comes back up, we can have another discussion or continue our discussion. But uh, I think we've uh, kept our listeners entertained for enough today or entertained, entertained. This was entertaining. This was a, you will be entertained by this us debating and complaining the merits of like an 80 hour work week. Yeah. We learned a new word. Hashtag boycott. <laughs> Hashtag boycott. Okay. Uh, where can they find you, Harvey Z? At the Z is silent. I'll repeat it. It's been a while. The With an A for the E. Oh, that just sounds so awkward. <laughs> There's no cool way to like explain us spelling slash the Z is silent. I hope you can figure out what that means. On Twitter, at the Z is silent. I don't know why I had to repeat myself just to put that ad in there. If I had forgotten it, it's like there's no – in my mind, I was like, this is a computer. I just need to insert the at, but how do I do that in dialogue? Hmm, I can't. I'll just say it again and hope no one notices. You can find me at T-Man Plays Games on Twitter. You can find our podcast at Make Me a Podcast on Twitter. You can find my website where I write stuff sometimes at tmanwrites.com. Uh, if you have an email to send us uh, for any comments, questions, concerns, thoughts, you know, or you just want to say hi, yeah. uh, make me a gamer podcast at gmail.com. And I think that's everything. I didn't miss anything, did I? I don't think so. Okay. Right. We just need to close out the show. Yeah. So close it out. Thank you. And every time I just want to like use other people's catchphrases hey. and even saying catchphrase is a catchphrase of, like, <laughs> Reinhardt, I think, and, like, a couple other things. Okay. All right. Deep thoughts with Harvey Z. Oh, God. Give, it, give us something just off the top of your head. People, be good to one another. Love one another. Don't work 80-hour work weeks. Or do, I guess, if lives are on the line? I don't know. Just, <laughs> life's complicated. We're just a fucking podcast. <laughs>